here. We have arrived. It is February 4th, which means we are less than three and a half days away from Super Bowl 55, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will host the defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs in Raymond James Stadium. What is up, everyone? Welcome into Season 2, Episode 44 of the North and South Podcast, where we bring you thoughts and ideas from all different directions. I'm your host, Evan Winner. Find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winner. My co-host, Jason Curtis, is here with me today. Find him on Twitter at JCBucksNation. You can find both of our written work on BucksNation.com, and that is SBNation.com's Tampa Bay Buccaneers blog. And those are the fires that have forged this podcast. Oh, my God, Jason. Is this real <laughs> life? I mean, I, we're here, man. This is it. We are doing the thing. We are doing the Super Bowl 55 podcast preview. And, dude, I could not be more stoked. How are you doing, man? <laughs> Listen, man, it's been an exhausting week. I mean, we've been covering press conferences. We've been doing quotes. We've been doing – uh, you know, trying to stay on top of all the injury reports and, you know, on top of that, staying on top of our own other jobs and, and things like that and family lives. It's just been absolutely crazy. But you know what? I would not have it any other way because this is a once in a lifetime experience, man. We get to cover a team that is in the Super Bowl and that in itself is just exciting. And And there's not many people that get to do that, right? I mean, to be able to cover a team that's in the Super Bowl, your favorite team, the team you've been covering for years, the key, the team you've been rooting on for. I mean, that's that's pretty spectacular in itself. And you know what? We've been doing a daily podcast, uh, as you all know, here on the Bucks Nation podcast channel. And it's been exciting. We've had some awesome guests, and including yourself. You came out on a couple of episodes. And it's been an awesome week here on the, the Bucks Nation podcast channel, as well as on BucksNation.com. And I'm just excited to be sharing it with you and the rest of the guys at Bucks Nation, as well as all of our fans and listeners that are listening here right now. So, yeah, let's get it. Super Bowl 55, baby. You've done a hell of a job manning down the fort on, in terms of content coming out on Bucks Nation Radio, so highly, highly appreciate <laughs> that. You know I'm always willing to, to lend a hand whenever I need to. But, Jason, we've got to start this podcast on just some slightly – no, actually, let me take a couple steps back. Some extremely disappointing news. Dude, no damn cannon fire. In the game. What the yeah. hell? Like, I don't even care if it was for the Chiefs. I wanted to hear the damn cannons go off in Raymond James Stadium during the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't remember the last couple of Super Bowls in, in Raymond James Stadium if they had cannon fire or not. Regardless, what the shit, man? Like, this is bullshit. I mean, like, I almost – I tweeted. I said cancel it. Obviously, that was tongue-in-cheek. But y- you don't have Raymond James Stadium. You don't have games in Raymond James Stadium without cannon fire, dude. No, you don't. Uh, as I wrote about on BucksNation.com, they're the home team without all the home perks. And unfortunately, they're going to keep those those cannons silent throughout the game, except for the introduction. They allowed the Chiefs, as we know, in Miami last year, they allowed the, oh, you know, the whole like, you know, FSU, Kansas City, uh, Kansas, you know, Chiefs chant or whatever it is. So they allowed that. So they are going to allow an audio version of the cannons but it's not gonna be the same man i don't know it now this is speculation what i am hearing and there is seem there's there does seem to be some substance to this that they will be able to fire the cannons if 
the Buccaneers win the Lombardi. I think they will have them at the ready if the Buccaneers win the championship. I, I, I Don't quote me on it. I think that there's some substance behind that, though. We, we can only wait and see, man. Unfor- it's very unfortunate. It's a, it's a huge tradition. There's so many traditions, and I don't know if you've ever been uh, or the last time you've been to Ray J, but, man, first down, Tampa. Bang. Hey. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't get to enjoy the whole back and forth chanting, and you know what? That's cool, man. It's Super Bowl. It's a neutral site, but being in Ray J and not being able to hear that and see that and feel that is kind of disappointing, but it's expected. It's a neutral site. It's being run by the NFL. And uh, what most fans don't realize, this is an unprecedented event. We are the home team in our home field. Never been done before. And it's supposed to be a neutral site. So it's really weird. Just just line line some war drums up on the opposite end zone. Let them bang the war drums. I don't know. Let them have the guy who runs out. Let on the them have fun, the, right? Yeah. There yeah. Let, let, let the guy who runs around on the horse with the, you know, the chief staff or whatever. I can't think of his name, but let him do his. I mean, dude, just don't hate on the Bucks just because they have a badass setup and they have the best setup in the entire That's NFL cool. when it comes to celebrating touchdowns. I mean, pff, screw that. And the fact that Gene Deckerhoff <laughs> can't say fire the cannons in a realistic sense, it's just extremely disappointing, man. But you know what? First world problems. I'll still take the Super Bowl (laughs) appearance, Um, whatever. But one thing that really came up during the week, and honestly, this was more of a contrived narrative from a certain outlet, and we'll obviously name that outlet here in a second. But Devin White, pretty harmless comment earlier in the week saying how him and Levante David love to compete. They love to do each other or sorry. Wow. That came off really weird for a second. They love to one each other up and just continue. They continuously um, force each other to do better in terms of a competitive sense. He even kind of mentioned the fact that they tend to pay each other money. If one creates a big play, well, this is 2020 social media exists and Mike Florio pro football talk put out um, a article on pro football talk saying Devin white makes a remark that could raise eyebrows in the league office. And he essentially compared Devin white's comments to bounty gate, which for those, if you're like 10 years old and you haven't been paying attention to the NFL, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast to begin with, but either way, <laughs> if you're, if you're super young or you just have no general NFL knowledge, bounty gate, is what the Saints got in trouble Saints, for yeah. uh, about eight or nine years ago in the playoffs when they were literally giving out money to players who either took other guys out of the game, big hits, so on and so forth. So just completely different context. But anyways, Mike Florio being the uh, ever aggressor, the ever instigator that he always is, decided to say, hey, you know, Devin might, might, might want to shut up league might say something about this well here we are about three or four days later nothing's been said but at the same time Devin White probably could have kept the lid on it but either way dude Florio's a tool I don't know why he brought this up (laughs) so I'm going to read the quote and I want to you know I would love for you all to make a comment down on bucksnation.com where we post the article please make a comment let me know what you guys think we want to go ahead and drive some traffic on this I want to get your thoughts on this guys let me read the quote here It's always that mentality like, beat me to the ball. Get more tackles than me. Let's see who can come up with the biggest play first. You know, whoever comes up with the biggest play, that person got to pay the other $1,000. Just little stuff that I'm able to throw into the game to make it more interesting. 
There is nothing in that. Now, is that subjective enough for you guys to think that they're talking about busting kneecaps and taking people's heads off? No. If I got more tackles than you, well, then pay me. If you know, It's throwing things in there, and it motivates people, and that's cool. That's friendly competition. That's just kind of how things are. I mean – this is blown out of this is blown out of proportion. This was fishing for a news article. This was fishing for some type of headline to blow it out because obviously they're trying to delegitimize the the fact that the Buccaneers on their first year with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, their second year with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich are going to the freaking Super Bowl. So yeah, he is a tool. It's kind of upsetting. It's it's nerve wracking. And instead, you know, comparing it to something that. Karen, uh, Karen Jordan, as as Gene and I called him on the, <laughs> on the commissioner's <laughs> corner, uh, was obviously accused of back in in uh, whatever it was. What was it five six years ago with Bounty Gate? No, no comparison, guys. Don't even read into it. Although Bucks Nation, I would love to hear your comments. Comment below uh, on BucksNation.com in the comment section. Would love to hear from you guys. Florio's an ex-lawyer, so I get it. Like he's gonna think of legal ramifications. He's gonna think of how things can manifest themselves later on down the line, or you know, just precedents being set and all that stuff. But if you're a lawyer, you've also got to know how to discern between certain subjects and certain contexts. And he does explain to his defense. He does explain in the article, and he does say that again, this is a far cry from the bounty programs. But uh, either way, why bring it up? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And he even yeah. goes in there. He tries to insinuate. He tries to slide. Well, he's instigating. Under, yeah. yeah. And he, he tries to slide some stuff on the rug saying the slope quickly gets slippery for other reasons. What constitutes the biggest play in interception? No, what, it wouldn't have gotten slippery if you just shut up about it. Exactly. Honestly, all exactly. You're, all you're doing is you're, you're leading. You're, you're, a lawyer would call and say you're leading the witness because that's right. exactly what you're doing there, right. Florio. Yeah, man. And just Devin White's just an honest dude. I mean, I got to interview him in the NFL draft in 2020 whenever Tampa Bay selected him fifth overall. And he essentially told me in the interview that he Tampa Bay was going to draft him. I mean, so he's just an open dude. He's an honest dude. But at the end of the day, he's definitely not up to anything nefarious. So, yeah, just I, I don't know. He's not a perfect, right? I mean, he's right. not that level exactly. of, of right. a linebacker. He's not a perfect where – you're worried about someone. I mean, literally. I mean, that dude was was really bad news for the NFL. To be honest with you, I I, I don't like his his physicality, uh, and and uh, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. He is a super nice guy. He has mad respect for for the competitors that he plays against. I mean, especially that little banter early on in the season between him and McCaffrey, and and that was really nice for McCaffrey to go up to him and be like, "Hey, you're the best to do it." And and what what did White say? I know. <laughs> he said yeah, i know he's, awesome, man. he's great right yeah. yeah he's awesome so who do you have in the scotty miller versus tyree kill race oh my god okay so i i did have <laughs> to ask you what the 40 yards were so for our listeners that don't know scotty miller ran a 439 tyree kill ran a 429 tyree kill now but but here's where it gets interesting scotty miller says hands down throw me in a race let's do it Let's let's see how it happens. Now, do you put him in a hundred yard race? You put him on a forty. I, I don't know. With the longevity, does Scotty Miller turn on the rails like in the second half? I don't know, man. Everything. Every time I see Tyreek Hill running down the field, I see him really picking it up when the ball leaves Mahomes' hands. Yep. That's when I see him light it up. Yep. 
20, 10, 15 yards down the way. I don't think he's at full speed. But after that 20-yard mark, he's bolting it. So, I mean, yeah, he's fast, no doubt. Dead sprint. God, man, Scotty's fast, and I've seen him, but I, I, I ugh, God, it would either be a tie or I would probably have to give that edge to Tyreek just because I think he, he is, he is really like, he's choppy. He's really choppy and real quick. And, uh, I think, I think by a nose, I think by a nose, I think Tyreek would pull it out, unfortunately. As much as I love you, Scotty, and, I, and, I, and I know you're with Jesus and everything, but listen, Tyreek Hill is, uh, is pulling that race out, brother. Yeah, I love Scotty, but Tyreek would absolutely smoke him. Um, the craziest thing, too, about Tyreek's time, or 40 time, is he's 5'10", 185. Scotty's 5'9", 174. So right. Tyreek has 11 pounds and an inch on him. And I do just watching him play football. You know, there's always those guys out there, those commentators, those broadcasters that say, Hell, you got to hold your breath every time he touches the ball, blah, 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 you know, just says that, you know, cliche crap. <laughs> well, Tyree killed to me every time he touches the ball. I literally think he's going to take it to the house. It's not just his speed. And obviously this is kind of stepping away from the conversation that we're currently having, but it's his fast twitch movement in small spaces and confined spaces. Like you could literally have a beat on him and be squared up on him and he could That's just a good do one. Yeah. yeah, juke move and just get by you and make it look so easy. Oh, those is, jukes, man. Dude, Honestly, it's unreal. Dude. It's scary. Unreal. Yeah, scary. It's, it's so unreal. He he is the most electric playmaker in the NFL right now. But if you put him on a track with Scotty, he's going to smoke him, man. I mean, 100 dude, yard, I'm going to give it to Hill all day. You know what? Here's the thing, Evan. I don't think I really, I'll be honest here. It wasn't until the second half of the season when this whole speedy thing, speedy Gonzalez or speedy Scotty type of deal was going on. And I'm like, I never really considered Scotty that fast. I guess. Oh, he's fast, man. He's, he's quick. quick. I guess I just didn't consider him the fastest on the team. I don't. I don't oh, he's know. definitely. Yeah, he's definitely the fastest on the team for sure. I Maybe just because of the lack of snaps and. You know, and of course, a couple of big plays, you, you kind of look at it going, well, yeah, well, how do you think he just made that play? And it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but no, I, I just I don't know why. But like, I, I just kept it. Really? Is that fast? You know, I never thought of that last year. I never thought of that last year. But maybe because he wasn't because Jameis Winston wasn't throwing to him at all. But this year, obviously, with Tom Brady throwing it to him, uh, you know, on a play designed for Antonio Brown, and he's the one that's bolting it along the seam and then bam hitting a dime in the end zone you know makes you think this dude can freaking rock it i think he's going to be a huge component heading into this uh heading into this game he's sure. gonna, it's, it's gonna be huge yeah for sure he can definitely you know get open he can come through with some cl clutch plays every now and then especially last week in the packers game so yeah i can't wait to see how he's used in this game and then dude jpp love what he said about mike rimmer's but at the same time, I'm kind of like, dude, first off, why would you want to piss off the Chiefs offense of all offenses? Come on. And then second off, you went up against Mike Rimmers in week 12. You know who he is. It's not like you didn't get a scouting report on him or your coaches didn't prepare you to play or how you're going to play against him. So just kind of I love the smack talk. <laughs> JPP, I think, is just living it day by day, and I absolutely respect that and totally deserves it. But, man, just some not, – not just funny, but also some kind of questionable comments on what he said about Mike Rimmers and not knowing who he is until the reporter asked him about him in that Zoom session.
So Remmers said, it's like every week I've played in this league. I've never gone into a game thinking, hey, I wonder what the guy's thinking of me. So like, <laughs> Remmers actually came back. He's like, uh, continuing on, he says, I don't care at all. It makes no difference to me. I'm just going out there to do my job. I, I think JPP, I don't know if JPP was saying that to get under Remmer skin or anything else like that. Uh, Remmer skin, however way you freaking pronounce it. Anyway. I think JPP is focused on one person, and that is Patrick freaking Mahomes. He's not that. That's my perception. Take this with a grain and salt, right? And 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 maybe I'm gonna have a lot of Bucks fans hearing me out on this one. I don't think he cares which def, which offensive tackle is in front of him. I don't think he's on the left side, the right side, the middle side. If it's a guard or if it's a center, I don't think he's paying attention to that. He's seeing right through them. He is. He. They are completely transparent. All I see is red, and that red is on the back of Patrick freaking Mahomes. And that's who he's attacking. He's not attacking Mike Remmers. Let's be honest, right? So, I okay, little cheeky, I don't know who that is kind of thing, you know, and, and, and having to worry about having to maneuver around Remmers, I don't think that's going to be a problem again. But it, it, the, the intent of what I'm saying is, his focus is much more on Patrick Mahomes than it is the offensive lineman that's trying to prevent him to get there. I hope it works out for JPP because he just signed himself up to be memed for life if things don't work <laughs> out for him this weekend. So no, let's make sure it, it's working out, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if things don't work out, I hope JPP is okay with being a meme for about the next six months. So let's let's just hope he's all right. With something tells me he'll be just fine with that. He's not going to give a rat's ass, but. Yeah, if he if he let's say Rimmers just or Rimmers actually won't be going up against him since he's playing left tackle mostly this game. Um, but let's oh, say okay. uh, there you go. let's so say let's say Andrew let, yeah let's yeah. say Andrew Andrew Wiley who's most likely to be the right tackle in this game. Let's say he just you know holds JP basically does what Donovan Smith did Chase Young in the wild card. Yeah, then it's. Ooh, it's going to be tough sledding for JPP over the next few months. All right, man, well, let's talk about this injury report before we head into the commercial break. Yeah. Um, some excellent news. Antonio Brown was a full go today. But then Cameron Brait was added as a limited participant, even though he was limited, which is still good. It is a bit of a concern because if you think about Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, leading up to the Packers game, he didn't show up on the injury report on Wednesday, but then showed up as a limited participant on Friday or Thursday, was a non-participant on Friday and then ended up not playing on Sunday. So there is a little bit of concern for Bright, but even though he did get in a limited practice, that still bodes well. Um, but either way, man, AB being a full go is huge. Um, huge. But, also, but also Cameron Bright with the back strain, if he doesn't go, that's also big as well. I, I Okay. But everyone else was also freaking out that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul wasn't practicing either. And I'm like, that's that's, that's been all year. JPP Right. I know that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a buddy of mine that's like, hey, I've got a friend of mine that's do the, you know, that does MRI for the team and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I saw that GPP was was a do not participate. I, I don't know if he's a go this weekend. I'm like, dude, that's GPP. <laughs> he doesn't participate. I mean, honestly, I don't know how he gets away with it, but he does. It's just he's, he's, a, he's an athlete that's able to have all week to get better because he's old, Evan. He's old. <laughs> 
Yep, well, those veteran anyway. days come in handy, man. I mean, that's what it is. That, that's all it is. And plus, I mean, remember he had the knee surgery in the offseason. So, you know, Tampa Bay's just been taking it easy with him. They they know he knows yeah. what he's doing. So, it's just one of those things you let him do his thing and just kind of rest him up before the final game of the year. Listen, Antonio Brown being a full participant was huge because yep. even in yesterday's conference, I even reported that on BucksNation.com. Then I even said that, you know, he's going through the process. That was his quote. Yep. about the injury he didn't even quote how well it's feeling how good it's feeling i mean shit antoine winfield was like it's it's a go it's a go <laughs> okay it, and antonio brown is taking a veteran approach to this he's been in big games he's been in the super bowl before uh although he lost but you know you got a rookie awj awesome as he is you know excited kind of jumping the gun a little bit i wonder if the team kind of looked at him and was like hey man don't be you leave your injury to me. You don't leave it to you. <laughs> I've heard that before. Like you need to leave the injuries to me, not to. And I've heard those quotes from other coaches before. Like it's not up to the player. It's up to me. And that's the head coach and with the team doctors and all that stuff. Right. And as I reported before, you know, we talked about this in yesterday's commissioner's corner, right? That Antoine Winfield Jr. was saying, proclaiming, "Hey, I'm 100% go. I'm ready. I'm 100%." Unofficial team did not say. And and yet, if if I'm not mistaken, the team is still not saying AWJ is ready to go, right? Right. I don't think, and, I don't right. think they're saying that, that he is, even though he's feeling good and it's trending that way, of course. And and obviously that I think Bruce Aarons did say he is not going to make any decisions until Saturday. And I think that's the decision maker. But you could see AB, he's going to be a go. AWJ, he's going to be a go. I think all these players are going to be a go. The only one that's a big question mark is, and we said it yesterday, Jordan Whitehead. Wow. I don't think Jordan Whitehead's probably going to be a go. I, I think, unfortunately, the shoulder injury is just – listen, man, I, I got knocked out my junior year in high school. with, And, and actually, I was, I was you know, a pretty good starter in my day. I actually was – I was a starting linebacker, um, had an interception my first game. I was a leader in tackles for the first three games of, of my season, my junior year in high school. And uh, I got put out with a shoulder injury. It was dislocated. And I never returned. I never returned. I decided to pursue arts and entertainment and sports and, and, and entertainment coverage instead and pursued what I'm doing today. And unfortunately, uh, that was the case. Shoulder injuries are nothing to screw around with. It put me out. I, I could have definitely probably gone to college and played ball, um, would have loved it. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't in my picture because you know unfortunately the, the the shoulder injury just was too much to have to deal with at that young age and i mean he's what how old is whitehead 22 23 probably yeah you know, this, is, I, this, this is his third year in the league so yeah you're looking probably 23 24 so it's nothing to screw around with, guys and unfortunately i i especially as physical like you mentioned yesterday as physical as he is i, I don't see whitehead playing in this game guys yeah, that's the biggest thing is physicality is his game. So if he even can play, you know, if he can't be physical, how effective is he really going to be? Um, just a lot to go into it. And, yeah, just at this point, still too many questions with too few days left 
to really be optimistic. But hey, I have been dead ass wrong about injuries all postseason long, and my foot's never tasted better because of it. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the streak, maybe the streak continues. You know, we'll obviously. Hey, listen, there's a lot of superstition going on in this cha- on this channel. So listen, I got a I got a bet against the Bucks. I'm not going to this time, but I'm gonna. You know, if I bet against the Bucks, they win, and if they lose, if I bet against them, they lose. You know, so it's it. Listen, there's a lot of superstition going on. So honestly, if you're saying about the injury report and these guys play, I'm all for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> One thing we can't bet against is Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride, who is going to hop on with us here in just a minute and preview Super Bowl 55, the Bucks and Chiefs, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the GOAT versus the kid. Just yeah. so many storylines coming into this game. So, of course, we had to get Kent on to help us break everything down. We'll be right back after this commercial break with Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. Block 2 begins on Season 2, Episode 44 of the North and South Podcast. It is time for the Super Bowl 55 preview. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the world-defending Kansas City Chiefs, playing in Raymond James Stadium. That means we had to get Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride on. You can find him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. Came on back uh, last summer to help us do the way too early preview series. So, Kent, man, thank you so much for coming on again. And how does it feel to be covering your second straight Super Bowl? Always a pleasure. I, You know, y'all ghosted me last time. We were supposed to talk in, in the regular season. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I see, I see how it is, guys. But, I mean, we, we save you for the biggest stages, but hey, to my credit, I did say in that DM, I did say, hey, can't wait to have you on for a Super Bowl preview, so here we are. <laughs> hey, here <laughs> oh, we are, man. Oh, you were even predicting that. <laughs> I like, really. I like that, a little that, bit that, of that. that. Man, the Bucks were 7-5. and five. That was completely tongue-in-cheek, but hey, I'm glad that we can have Ken on <laughs> for this time, so completely. Hey, you threw the Bucks well, apparently the back Chiefs in the summer, are, man. Apparently, the Chiefs are world-defending uh, uh, champions. So I guess they, they, they defend the world. Are they, are they defending the world or the world I, championship? I don't know. Pa- look, Patrick Mahomes doing a lot these days, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just pa- Patrick Mahomes represents Randy Quaid and independence day, but Patrick Mahomes would have found a way to blow up that ship without driving straight up into the beam. So let's just, <laughs> let's just go ahead and get that settled right now. <laughs> let's go ahead and dive into these warm up questions before we get into the meat of the preview. Um, this game has all the makings of a shootout. However, are the odds of this matchup turning into a defensive game like 24-20? Because obviously defensive game scores in 2020 mean something completely different than they did 15, 20 years ago. So like 24-20, something like that, not 13-10. But are the odds of this turning into a a defensive game better than people think? Ah, man, I don't don't know. it's not a it's not a knock on anyone. It's just like Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, has scored less than 30 points in a playoff game in his career. Sure. So it's it's just like, you know, like and this is the I'm gonna double check and I'm gonna stall for like two seconds while I double check that stat, but I'm pretty no, sure he hasn't it. scored less than 30 points in the playoff game. And so I mean you look at it's 31. 30 or oh, wow. I guess you count I guess you count the, the you count the Browns game. I about to say, yeah, you the count Browns the Browns game. game, sure. Okay, but they were I'm just telling you, they were about to score 31 in that game before <laughs> everything went down. So, like, I mean, I don't know. A healthy Patrick Mahomes lights the world on fire. 
Um, and that I, I feel like it's good. I think it's going to have to be like this game's going to wind up being in the, like the winner of this game is going to be in the 30s. So like I don't know. I mean, I don't feel super confident this is going to be a shoot or a, a defensive battle. So with the, uh, so with that said, right, knowing that it's going to be a shootout, do you feel like I, remove the first quarter, just completely forget about it. Go back to week 12 and you look at how the second and third quarters, they were even part, right? It was uh, in the second quarter, Kansas City three, Tampa Bay seven, third quarter, Kansas City seven, Tampa Bay three. Do you see more of that even keel type of game, or do you feel like it's going to be the first quarter and fourth quarter where it's going to be a shootout by one of those teams? Yeah, I mean, I think you could see these teams trading blows a little bit more in that second and third quarter range. And I mean, I don't think the Bucs are going to let Tyreek Hill go for 7,000 yards this this time around. Like, I (laughs) I think they're going to spend, you know, a lot of resources and schematically are really going to try to take him away and really force this team to drive down the field, which the Chiefs have had no problem doing. This is something that they've really had a lot of success with is just, you know, like against the Bills. The Bills like just tried to stay, keep everything in front of them. They just paper cut them to death. Like I think both these teams are going to be pretty efficient offensively, um, and you know, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty balanced back and forth game for the most part. Both teams were top ten in points allowed during the regular season. Tampa Bay at twenty two point one points per game allowed. Kansas City at twenty two point six um, during the postseason. Tampa Bay is allowing twenty three. Kansas City is allowing twenty. Both defenses know how to attack the quarterback, and both coordinators know how to make in-game adjustments. Plus, they love to blitz the crap out of their opponents, as we've seen. That might change this game. I don't think it's going to change on Spagnuolo's end, but it could very well change on Todd Bowles' end. Plus, the weather could play a factor, even though I'm not counting on that very much. And then also, uh, both teams are top 10 in terms of turnover drive turnovers forced per drive, per football outsiders. So, I don't know, man. Just like, I'm with you. Like, it, it could – definitely be a shootout i just man i just have this like this little guy on my shoulder just like constantly poking me in my jugular saying hey <laughs> you know don't forget about the defense don't forget about the defense yeah. but you know at the end of the day you're probably going to be right i would imagine i it's weird man I, if you look at even patrick mahomes career there's just not very many games where they're not lighting the world on fire. I mean, yep. there's very few games that they've scored less than 23. I think a streak got snapped against the Colts last year when Patrick Mahomes was operating on one ankle, you know, and even ever right. since then, there's really not, there's just not been a ton of games where this team has been contained. And I think that's the thing, you know, the, the I, they, and honestly, like they kind of, they kind of, they kind of sit on the football a little bit in the back half of these games. They flex their muscles for like, 30, 40 minutes, and then Andy kind of goes into conservative mode. And some of these games got a little bit fake right. close here at the end of the you know the season for this football team. So, like, I don't know. I just think with Andy Reid bring, bringing his best game script and, you know, Mahomes probably going to be close to 100% and more healthy than he was last week when they dropped 38 against Buffalo, like, I, I think he's going to go out and put some points on the board. Well, let's not, let's not forget – you know, and, and I'm going to speak from the Bucks side of the ball, but let's not forget that we were, you know, that this team was without Jamel Dean and Vita Vea, and they're both back. Uh, and obviously the secondary has improved significantly even since uh, week 12 and obviously heading out of the, the bye week having went throughout. Let me go into the next question actually here, because that plays into the Chiefs side of the ball has also significantly gotten better over the second half of the season and especially into the postseason, primarily with Juan Thornhill. Now, Warren, uh, Juan Thornhill obviously making a return with the ACL injury this year. Now he's full health. How has he helped this defense in the postseason 
And how do you expect Spags to use him against the Bucks? Man, I am so excited for Juan Thornhill. I can't tell you guys how excited I am because he was he was coming on really, really strong. I actually had a really good rookie year last year before he got hurt in week sixteen or seventeen and didn't get to play in the in the in the Super Bowl or the playoffs. And, you know, he kind of looked pretty rough for a large stretch of the season, but you're right, he's really come on late. And he's a different guy than y'all saw in week twelve as well, for sure. Um, and you know, he's one of the things that they really like about him and one of the big skill sets that he has and athleticism looks like he looks the same kind of athlete he was last year is they can put him in single high and expect him to have that center field range. And that's one of the things that they've utilized him a little bit here um, in the back end. They've also, you know, they've, they've put him in man coverage on some guys and I mean, he's made some really good plays on the football, taking good angles to the ball, um, flying around the field. He's really been a valuable piece and it really just gives you another guy um, for this, you know, the secondary that has been playing exceptional football down the stretch. They've looked really good in the back end. Speaking of Thornhill, Kansas City uses a, utilizes a good amount of big dime, meaning they use three safeties and three corners. I know you know that, but just explaining it to the listeners who don't know what that <laughs> means. Um, it's usually Thornhill in center field, like you just mentioned, uh, Sorensen in the box, and Matthew wherever he needs to be. How does this help the Chiefs when going going up against a team like the Bucks? And can you elaborate why it does help or doesn't help? Well, and I think you're forgetting a guy named Legarius Sneed, who's that, that yes. third corner, that slot corner. So they've right. really got a lot of guys that are that are playing really well in between the numbers, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that this team is. I mean, lately it's just been a lot more dynamic because Juan Thornhill's mm-hmm. been able to make some plays and LeJerry Sneed. I mean, if you did a redraft, I think he goes in somewhere in the first round as good as this man has been playing. So, I mean, in between the numbers, they can do a lot of really creative stuff with their um, rotations and getting into their different coverage shell- shells. You've probably seen how they kind of do some really unique rotations to get into mm-hmm. their cover two look. Um, but, you know, then they have the ability to man up with a lot of talent. So they force a lot of those outside throws, um, those low percentage throws outside the numbers to you know to their outside corners who are kind of just playing on that vertical plane and pl- and pressing you know, Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breeland. So um, you know you could see you know the Chiefs force Tom Brady to maybe take some of those low percent lower percentage throws, even though it's like okay, let's throw it to, up to Mike Evans and give him a shot. I still am going to be nervous every single time the ball goes outside the numbers. <laughs> and that's that's totally understandable. And Bruce Arians even talked about earlier in the week how his no-risk-it, no-biscuit philosophy is just, you know, we already know it's the backbone, but just how even it applies to him out on the golf course. He said, if I can make that one shot out of ten land on the green, then I'm okay with it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, while that plays – <laughs> the mentality. The last thing you want to do is, you know, see a ton of low percentage throws, and we all know how the Bucks love to hit those crossers over the middle and all that good stuff. So the Chiefs being able to take that away is really going to play into their hands this weekend. I feel. Yeah, I mean, if they're able to do what they've, you know, kind of been able to do, they've done a good job communicating there in in between the numbers, and you know, they've had the athleticism, they've, you know, they've had the plays on the football, and and hopefully for the Chiefs, I mean, obviously everybody here is hoping the opposite, listening to this, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be something that would be really beneficial for the Chiefs here. So, Ken, I want to flip the script and I want to take a look at the other side of the ball for you guys, because one of the biggest headlines coming into the postseason was the loss of Eric Fisher. Right. He's your star lineman. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs without Eric Fisher are probably not likely to be the same. I mean, it's the same thing as, as if when, when, when the Bucks lost Ali Marpet and there was a lot of adjustments that had to be made or Ryan Jensen, et cetera. Right. 
And I mean, the same can be said about, you know, um, Kappa being out and Aaron Stinney being in. But with Eric Fisher being out, coupling that with the return of Vita Vea on the defensive line for the Bucks, will the Bucks pass rush be even more effective now this time around and uh, compared to week 12 due to this development? So I think so. I and and I say that with like, look, I I think the the Chiefs. If you look at them recently, they've done a really good job accounting for a shoddy offensive line as it is. So last week, Patrick Mahomes was doing a fantastic job getting the ball out of his hands, partially because the Bills were taking some of this easy stuff away. The Chiefs did a really good job of helping Mahomes with protection and stuff like that because you know they're using the run pass options a lot, which which puts those edge players in conflict and and forces them you know, to maybe not be as aggressive rushing the passer. So the run pass options, the screen game, the quick passing game, they really did a good job getting the ball out of Mahomes' hands, which kind of helped, you know, keep them, you know, from having some, you know, having to hold on to the ball too long and, and letting that pass rush get home. Well, they asked Patrick Mahomes, I did the charting, they asked him to do, I mean, basically he held the ball 11 times beyond the hitch in his drop. So one, two, three, hitch wasn't there. He had to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, step up in the pocket, bounce out of the pocket, make make plays. He was 8 of 11 for 105 yards and a touchdown. That was better than what he was when he wasn't just, you know, kind of throwing the ball out on time. So, they're going to ask Mahomes to go make 8 to or 10 to 15 plays probably in this game with this really rough pass or you know, with a really rough offensive line against a great pass rush and you know, Mahomes has been able to do that with a lot of success and over the course of his career, and he's going to have to do it again if they want to win a Super Bowl. So there's one play that makes him really successful, and that's that little quick little shuttle pass right in the middle. And Eric Fisher obviously has been one of the key components to being able to block out the lineman or the linebacker even uh, from disrupting that play. Do you find that that play will probably be less utilized with him being out? Um, you know, I, they really only go to it a couple times every game they do have right. that that motion and that misdirection it's dangerous that's yeah. why right? I mean, well, <laughs> it's a dangerous play they use the action a lot so like you're gonna have that mesh point madness where you're gonna have Tyreek Hill or McCole Hardman running past the quarterback and you might have what you know looks like a shovel pass to tight to Travis Kelsey coming and you're gonna have the running back with an action so you're gonna have all that craziness at the mesh point which they utilize a lot to try to you know create distract you know create confusion for the backers to force them to read a lot of different stuff and one of those four guys is getting the ball you know so um this is kind of one of those you know like they're going to use that tap pass probably a couple times and a lot of times you know, they, they might make that guy the unblocked defender at the edge and just force you know the one of their speed guys to try to beat that guy off the edge and then figure it out you know so um yeah, they'll still use it i think a little bit but it's just that i mean i think just that whole package of mesh point craziness i think is something that they really like to utilize He's also just so good with pre-snap reads. That's obviously going to help. But then also the Chiefs offense, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of set up to beat good pass rushes. I mean, the RPOs, the bootlegs, all that stuff. And Mahomes' legs are the equalizer in this scenario, in my opinion. Obviously, Andy Reid's going to have some good schemes drawn up, having the you know the extra week to prepare and all that good stuff. But uh, per Sports Info Solutions, 
Um, Mahomes has the second most pass attempts attributed to RPOs and averages 0.48 EPA per attempt. And that's the second best uh, mark among quarterbacks with at least seven attempts. And his mark of 0.36 EPA per attempt on bootlegs is the third best in the NFL among quarterbacks with at least 12 attempts. I mean, just what he can do with his legs and just how he makes plays out of structure is just absolutely insane, man. And to me, that basically offsets almost any issues you can have up front. Now, granted, you don't want to have issues up front, but if you are having issues up front, Mahomes is the one guy you definitely want to have at quarterback. Um, so kind of sticking along the protection schemes and all that stuff, do you think Kansas City leaves more backs and tight ends to help protect Mahomes due to the shakeup on the offensive line this week? Um, one of the reasons why Tampa Bay's defense held the Chiefs to one of four <clears> – <throat> excuse me, touchdown, uh, touchdowns inside the red zone was because the defensive line had a lot of success. But that's because they didn't leave anybody extra in to protect. <clears throat> excuse me, Lord. Um, it was mostly five-man protections. Andy Reid's going to adjust for that this time around, right? Or am I just completely off base? So, I mean, I think it, you could see them maybe utilize a little bit more uh, you know, maybe a little bit more six man protection. They've really just, I mean, the funny thing about it is, is like, I think they've been accounting for offensive line issues before this week. Now, obviously losing Eric Fisher has been a problem. And like <laughs> Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley are not much in the way of resistance. I think if the Chiefs though can force, can keep, can keep, you know, the bucks from any kind of quick pressure, which mm-hmm. is, you know, like a free rusher. Like I, I think you've got to get a free rusher to really affect Mahomes here, but you can't do that because the ball's getting out of his hands so quickly anyway, and he's done such a good job of beating pressure. Like, it's really a tough spot. Mahomes has helped them. Andy Reid has helped them schematically. The ball's been getting out of his hands. You know, on 50, on, if you're doing 40 dropbacks, you've really got, I think, 10 good chances of, of actually bringing him down in the backfield. Um, the Chiefs have been a lot better in the red zone since you know they played the buccaneers um and i mean look i mean i'm not trying to just like puff out our chest here or anything or just say like this game shouldn't have been close or anything is but like travis kelsey threw a ball right at a defender on a right. you know trick play mm-hmm. and right. mahomes had the rare interception right. in the red zone like they 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 made some mistakes that they normally don't make and so i think you've really got to hope for for the sake of the bucks you know that they're going to make those mistakes there in the red zone to give you know, the Bucks a, a better chance of, of pulling this one out. So I don't know, man. I, I don't know how much they're really going to just drastically change, but, you know, you're going to see them sprint out the stuff that they've been doing anyway, the run pass options, the sprint outs, the quick passing game, and then just Mahomes having to be Mahomes for 10, 11 plays this week. It's going to be really interesting to see how all that plays out for sure. And then real quick, how much did uh, Patrick Mahomes' turf toe bother him against the Bills? I know you <laughs> – I, I loved your comment about this must – this might be what Mahomes looks like in 10 years when he can't move. <laughs> um, but I mean, obviously, you know, turf toe usually only lasts about three weeks. So I'm personally not really expecting it to play, have any effect, but how much do you think this is going to have any effect in this game? I don't, I, I think it bothered him in, in the bills game for sure. And it, which is amazing. Cause it didn't matter. Like, yeah. He played, I mean, he was lights out dude. He was unreal. I I'm just, he was so locked in and it was just, it wasn't the sexiest game that he's ever played, but, like, I mean, he was just, he was perfect. Like just dealing the ball over the place, um, even accounting for, for free rushers or, or late pressure and, and having to create, he was really, really good. And I think he's, I think he's going to be healthier than he was last week. 
And a lot of indications right. are he's looked exceptional in practice. Tyreek Hill mentioned that he's just he's been locked in and looking as good as he has um, this week of practice. So, look, I I think you're gonna get the best, uh, pretty close to the best version of Mahomes on Sunday. And uh, I mean, it's it's gonna make for a phenomenal game. Getting to see the old goat and the and the baby goat coming. I mean, I think that's gonna be such a fun matchup because I think Mahomes will be close to what he's what he's capable of. Oh man, you beat me to my own joke, man. Oh I was no, I'm actually, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna do the whole goat and kid thing with the kid <laughs> being a baby goat. Come on, man. Nate Burleson like said it at the beginning of last week on GMFB, and I'm like, so how do you feel about the kid and the no man? All right, you beat me to it. Anyway, but, but do you think that there's any limitations to this kid? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean he is playing lights out and he is a future. That's what they're saying. It's like he is the future goat. You know, in 10 years, we could very well be saying that this kid is the greatest in the game at this point, uh, at that point in his future, obviously the way he's playing now. But I mean, do you see any limitations to this kid? Uh, I, I, I mean, no. <laughs> I'm not trying don't, to get over I mean, here. Hey, listen. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to like puff my chest out or anything like that. But like, okay, so like I watched the Super Bowl last, uh, last year's Super Bowl recently getting ready doing an article about the offensive line we just talked about and you know the they the 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 Niners were able to generate a lot of pressure the ball wasn't getting out of his hand nearly as quickly last time around so like Mahomes was you know inviting a little bit more pressure he was hanging in the pocket a little bit longer than he needed to at times and then I watched the Bills game the AFC championship game and I mean decisive balls out where it needs to be and he's just he's just just dicing people up and yeah, yeah you know that's the kind of stuff that yeah we know what he's able to do we've seen the crazy stuff we, we've seen him do all kinds of you know running around like a chicken with his head cut off and just making the most ridiculous <laughs> plays but like you think about 2018 he doesn't have to make as many plays like that that any more than he does now because he's just better he's a better passer he's a better quarterback and he's not having to do all the remarkable things we know he's capable of doing so we've seen Mahomes and we've seen Mahomes behind an iffy offensive line and he's just been so consistent and efficient it's like there's really like he's he's been he's been slamming slamming shut the doors that he's kind of left open the first two years and that's what gives you a lot of hope as a Chiefs fan is it doesn't really matter who's in front of him. He's been able to create. He's been able to yeah. be efficient yeah. and get the ball out of his hands. So, I mean, this man is a machine, and it's not as sexy as it was two years ago all the time, but we all know that's there. So it's just like, I don't know what you do with this guy. I really the don't. Maturity. The maturity is yeah. great. I love, I love the maturity that he's shown this year compared to last year. Absolutely. That's Yeah, and willingness to take what's there. And if he's taking what's there and put – I mean, you saw him take what's there and Tyreek Hill did the rest for 71 yards down the field, nearly scoring against one of the better teams in the National Football League last, you know, two weeks ago. So, like, I don't know, man. I, he's getting scary. He really is. He's the ultimate cheat code. He really is. I hate to be cliche, but he really is. All right, so before we get into the meat of the of the preview – it's the Super Bowl preview, Kent. So I gotta throw you one Patrick Mahomes sidearm pass, just something completely unexpected. Uh-oh. Mahomes is still your quarterback, but you can only take one of these two guys, Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. I think I'm taking Travis Kelsey. I'm uh, boom. I know this this That was mean, my pick. Yeah, I mean we talk about we know what <laughs> we know what the we know what he did to the Buck Tyree Kill to the Bucks last time. 
but there is just something about what Ty, uh, what Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes have going and are able to do. Travis Kelsey doesn't always run the route assigned. So him and Mahomes are just on a wavelength and they're making adjustments on the fly against like the no coverage other. that they're seeing. Yeah. And they're really good about it. And it's not like option routes or choice routes where they legit, you can curl up here or you can break out. They're just like, sometimes they're just doing their own thing. And there's a really good, you know, kind of rapport there, obviously. And, and he's such a matchup problem and, and such a chain mover. There's just a lot about him that creates a lot more problems for teams. Obviously, the, you know, teams are going to do a lot to try to take away, you know, I mean, like the Bucks, like to the Bucks credit, the last time these two teams matched up, they just said, you know, we're going to be us. And if, if you beat us, great. Well, they tried to be themselves and Tyreek Hill <laughs> did Tyreek Hill things. But there are more easy yeah. ways to take away tra- Tyreek Hill, I think. Right. Um, and, and, you know, but Travis Kelsey is just that guy that like, you know, he can, he can, he can really hurt you in a lot of different ways too. He looks a little thing. bit more comfortable with throwing to Kelsey. I think when he threw to Tyreek Hill, like he double pumps, like, Oh man, I'm going to have to whip this down. The, I mean, if you look at that first play where like he just killed uh streak down the sideline there, it's like he had a double pump there. It's kind of like, oh, shoot, I got to prepare for this. But with Kelsey, it's like seamless. Mm-hmm. It's like no effort at all. Well, and they, their ability together out of structure, too. I mean, right. Tyreek Hill and, yeah. and Mahomes out of structure is good, too. But I think you look at him and Travis Kelsey, and like they just they have such a good chemistry that yeah. in and out of the pocket and in structure, out of structure, there's just, just so many problems with those two. And the thing that points the arrow in Kelsey's direction for me is he's going to be involved in a lot more higher percentage throws. Now, obviously we're talking Mahomes and Hill. Hill most of the time is wide open. It's still a difficult throw in terms of an NFL throw, even though Mahomes makes it look easy a lot of times. But just to have that kind of matchup in the middle of the field, the intermediate areas, like I said, the higher percentage throws, like – you just can't beat that, in my opinion. So that that's what gets me leaning towards Kelsey. But let's go ahead and dive into the meat of this preview, man. Um, we'll make it quick because we're kind of up against the wall a little bit in terms of time. Um, but what is the one matchup you're looking for this week in terms of between the headsets on the field, you know, wherever? What's the one thing that's going to catch your eye this weekend? I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit. It's that it's that offensive line matchup against the Bucks defensive line. I really do think that this is the decider in this football game, and it's more about like, I think the Chiefs can win if the Bucks can get home. I don't think the Bucks can win if they don't get home. Does right. that? I don't know if that makes sense. Like, no, I think this sense. is a very big tilt in this game, and and really can what ultimately make this game interesting is if they can get Mahomes to hold the ball a tick. Which here's the thing: if you want Mahomes to hold the ball a tick, you might have to play man, still rush four, but play man maybe like two man or something like that and make him hold the ball a tech tick to give that, that, that pass rush a, a second to get home because that creates a little bit of problems. Obviously Mahomes might run the ball a little bit there because, you know, two man run quarterbacks running is deadly against, you know, in, in, against two man. So, but ultimately I think that's, that's the matchup I'm looking at. And, and, I mean, if the chiefs do a good job getting the ball out of Mahomes' hands and moving the chains and, and, and are able to protect him, I don't really see a way that the Bucks are going to be able to hang in this thing. So do you think Tampa Bay running simulated pressure would be effective? And also, since we're kind of talking, you know, the front seven versus Kansas City's offensive line, do you think Kansas City's offensive, the interior of the offensive line is more suspect? Because Ndamukong Sue had a good game 
in week 12. And now Vita Vea returns. Obviously, that should enhance things. Or are you more concerned with the, uh, the tackles on the outside? I'm conver- I'm concerned about all of them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> frankly, I mean, should the, Chiefs, yeah. the Chiefs starting right guard, who was not good this year, is right. playing right tackle. And they're dropping in a guy who signed off of the Steelers, who got waived by the Steelers, injured. And Steven Wisniewski, and I mean, he's not been good. Like he was good down the stretch for the Chiefs last year, but he's been bad this time around. So like, you know, I, I think that, I think, you know, if, if the ball's not out of Mahomes' hands, I think the Bucks are going to have a, a good time getting home a little bit. That's why I just think it's like if the Bucks can figure out how to make Mahomes hold the ball just a tick longer. That that's a good rush against a very bad group. Uh, but I mean, it just depends on, you know, like, but Mahomes does Mahomes thing. So yeah, sim pressure could really give this group a problem because they're not as cohesive. I mean, Makes they're, sense. they're, you know, they're throwing stuff together, yeah. but again, like you've got to, you've got to actually bring pressure too. Like, so you've got to actually blitz them too. Like it can't just be, you know, you can't just show everything and drop out. You've got to bring five if you're going to, if you're actually going to do it. So, right. you know, operate at your own risk because Mahomes against the blitz. We've, you know, I mean, he's better <laughs> against the blitz somehow, you know, so. You know, it was funny when Randy Moss on NFL, not the player, but the broadcast, the analyst uh, on. I, I'm glad you clarified that because I totally. Yes, I did. The yes. <laughs> Randy Moss, the broadcaster uh, or the analyst uh, actually said it was like a roadmap. You had to like this guy's moving to guard and guard moving to tackle and this tackle's moving over to the left side. And there was like three or four moves in that whole, uh, in that whole little origami that the chiefs had to kind of play uh, on the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line. I mean, is that going to play a huge factor into that? Oh yeah. No, I, I, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I think that's, you know, Bucks had to part- do something similar earlier in the season too, so it's okay. But I mean, that's I mean, that's that's the crack opening. Like that's the thing that we're all keeping it. That's keeping all of us in, that's in the, the city. Concern. Okay. Yeah, I mean, part of it. I mean, like that's a big piece of that factor. So you know, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Are you an idiot? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not concern. trying to say like that. I just, like, I just, yeah. I mean, I think that's a big piece of this thing. I really do. I, I'm full agreement with with Randy there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, Amen. Well, I'm looking at the secondary, uh, the Bucks secondary versus the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. I mean, it's cliche. Everyone's looking at it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the fact that uh, Tyreek Hill burned the secondary in Week 12. I, I think that has to be cleaned up. Um, Evans, you, uh, Evan, you made the same comment earlier uh, yesterday as well as today. I mean, the Ben don't break mentality. Right. And making sure that obviously that you're not allowing Tyreek Hill to get past you. Um, Although I love the press coverage, you know, we're going to see a mixture of zone. We're going to try and make sure that no one's going to get beat. Uh, Vita Vea being back, obviously having that four man front is going to play a huge factor into all this. And, and obviously as the, uh, you know, the secondary giving a little bit of uh, leeway to those receivers, especially Nicole Hardman and, uh, and Tyreek Hill, obviously, and Travis Kelsey as well, because as we say on the commissioner's corner fantasy, you know, from a fantasy football perspective, Travis Kelsey is not a regular tight end. He is putting up WR1 numbers in normal circumstance. So right. he's not a normal tight end, which is just absolutely. And again, using the cliche cheat code. <laughs> right. But I think that defensive line needs to attack first, which allows the secondary to bend and not break 
But with that defense, the key is on that defensive line. They got to get to Mahomes and they got to shut him down. And that's the key, right? Um, <clears throat> Corey Curtis said it here. He covers the Tennessee Titans and he said, you, you've got to be able to take away the one that is getting the receivers the ball. If you take away that from the equation, then you don't get the ball. And that's really ultimately the end result. But then the other factor is Kelsey and Hill being the two biggest receivers. Um, it force, force the Chiefs to pass it to Nicole Hardman. That's kind of the, kind of the tactic, right? Um, if you take one or the other out of the equation, you can't take both. So bracket one, so maybe bracket Kelsey, force them to throw it to Hill only or McCole Hardman, but you can't take both of them out of the equation completely. But yeah, I think the secondary uh, and the receivers, that that, that matchup's going to be pretty key. Yeah, but I will say this. Keep an eye on Clyde Edwards-Lair yep. out of the backfield in the passing game and keep an eye on playoff Sammy Watkins because <laughs> this man turns into yeah. a... I'm last telling year you, it was dynamite. Yeah, it wasn't just last year. It was the year before he turns into a 1500 yard receiver during the playoffs. And honestly, like, I mean, I don't know if he's going to like, what's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this year, because we haven't seen him yet. He's been a limited participant the first two days. Um, but this man has been just different again in the playoffs, both seasons that he's been here so far. So, you know, and, and it's those teams, like the teams that try to play man against them the teams that, you know, they're going to go out of their way to try to take away Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Well, Sammy Watkins has really burned some people in the past. So if it's Sean Murphy bunting or who else, whoever it is out there trying to match up with, with, you know, Sammy Watkins, if he's the guy we normally see in the playoffs and throw Clyde Edwards in there. So like, you know, you can say like, I don't think it's, it's really not as much about taking McColl away. Like McColl is like a gadget player. And I'm not like a huge fan of him as, a, as that because like he really hasn't developed as a receiver. It's the other guys I'm more worried about. I would be worried about McColl getting free on one of those plays and one of those big plays down the field. Like I think he's the, he's the, you know, the high variance guy. And if he hits one of these games, like it, that's massive for this football team. 49ers fans are still having nightmares of Sammy Watkins catching that pass down the sideline um, in last year's Super Bowl. So. Right. <laughs> and, Listen, I mean, I'm not a fan. Let me just say this from a fantasy football perspective, because I'm the fantasy <laughs> analyst here on, on Bucks Nation. I am not a fan of Sammy freaking Watkins, okay? He burns me every year. Well, I, get I put it. him on my roster, and he doesn't do shit for me all season. <laughs> as much as I want him to, he always shines in the postseason and I can't take advantage of him. But well, yeah, here's your, here's you're, your, you're absolutely right. Here's your fantasy DFS play there. There you go. Oh, boom. Right all there. right. There, there you, you go. go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> buy low. Buy low, baby. Good call. Good call, baby. So my, my matchup is going to be the Chiefs screen game versus Tampa Bay screen defense. Obviously, the Chiefs have one of the best screen games, if not the best in the entire NFL. Um, they have the ninth best EPA and the fourth highest positive play percentage just when they run screens in general. But the Bucks defense has the eighth best EPA per attempt allowed on screens. And the key here is going to be Kansas City running screens in the in the red zone. All seven touchdown passes, and this is per sports info solutions, um, all seven touchdown passes that they've had on screen plays have come inside the red zone. So obviously you condense the field but Kansas City can still uh, spread the field horizontally rather than vertically, which West Coast offense, Andy Reid, just as effective as a vertical attack, you know, in certain uh, contexts and formats whenever you decide to call the plays. So let's go ahead and hop into the impact players. Kent, what's 
uh, one player on offense you're looking for and one player on defense that's going to affect this game. It can be for either team. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with playoff Sammy, like we just talked about. And, you know, I do think, I do think, the, I think the Bucks are going to have a good pr- plan to try to, you know, make the Chiefs play left-handed, which is what the bill, you know, or the, the Patriots have done. So, you know, they've, they've done a good job. They'll chip, they've chipped Travis Kelsey at the line of scrimmage with an edge and then rush him. And then, you know, they'll have a, 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 you know, a big physical, maybe Carlton Davis is the guy that's, that's lined up with Travis Kelsey a little bit. And then you put a, you know, you put a good athlete, on Travis or on Tyree Kill and trail underneath them and, and put a safety over the top. Well, that leaves Sammy Watkins in an advantageous position. Maybe it's a Sean Murphy Bunning. And right. I think he's a guy that, you know, Tra- Sammy Watkins can win a matchup like that. And um, we've seen him have huge games in, in these biggest moments. And if he does play, I think that's a big one. What about defense? Who do you got on defense? I'm going to go with the honey badger, Tyron right. Matthew. Uh, I'm with you, man. I had another one I was thinking about doing, but I'll, I'll go with, I'll just do Tyron Matthew on this podcast and I'll go and do Frank Clark on my podcast. So um, <laughs> look, I mean, Tyron Matthew, he's, he's been, you know, the, the leader of this defense for the last couple of years and he's really helped change the culture on that side of the football. So is Frank Clark. Um, but he's such a diverse chess piece and he's such a smart football player and he's really, you know, I think he's done a good job helping, you know, that, entire secondary growth you see daniel Sorensen making a lot of heads up plays both of these guys just are kind of in the film room together and, and tyron matthews really been a catalyst for that he makes a lot of plays on the football obviously it's going to be hard to outsmart tom but i do think especially with the pressure that they're you know i think the chiefs will be able to get a little bit of pressure here this week um i think tyron matthew makes a play on the football i think he gets a turnover this week and uh it, that'll be a, it'll be uh it'd be a big one i think it'll be a fourth quarter one Real quick before Jason jumps in with his, I just want to get your thoughts on Anthony Hitchens. I think he's a pretty effective pass rusher, especially whenever Kansas City comes out in their dime and he's the only linebacker on on the field. What do you think? So Anthony Hitchens has gotten a lot better since he got here in 2018, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was 2018. So he's been he's been a, a really much improved player, and he really wasn't playing too much in the dime, believe it or not. Before the playoffs, uh, they they were using Ben Neiman a lot more in those situations. Um, he's he's not. Uh, I don't think he's the best coverage guy, but he's, right. he's the he's the communicator. He's been the most effective communicator. I haven't really seen him blitz or pressure as much. Like he's fine, he's effective there. But I, and I agree with that what you're saying. But I mean, his value to this football team has been the communication side largely. Nice. Um, and and I'm, but the thing is, is like the Spags values that immensely, but man he's really been he's actually been a good football player this last like five six weeks he's been much improved this entire season so um sneaky big value there and and having him back because he missed a little bit of time there at the end of the year yeah that's why i wanted to mention his name because i feel like we're going to hear his name on sunday probably once at least once (laughs) yeah you you might hear him all right, I'm going to go into my offensive player, and that's Rob Gronkowski. I got to go with the Bucks on this one uh, because I think Rob Gronkowski is probably going to be the key. Uh, Bruce Arians even commented today that he's going to rely on 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 Gronkowski pretty heavily um, on Sunday, and and he should. And I think in a couple of different ways, not just from uh, a uh, from a reception perspective. And I think he's going to be the one that's going to have to pull that ball down. He's going to have to do a similar job that he did in week 12 with 106 yards. Now he's got to probably pull in a touchdown uh, or even two, and he he may even pull in the winning grab. You never know uh, based on his physicality, but he hasn't been really effective in the postseason. I think he's going to be the 
the the key to this game because he hasn't been uh, really a, a focal point in the postseason. But where he's been the focal point is actually in pass protection. And he, it started when he was blocking out Montez Sweat and Chase Young in the wild card round. And, it, and if it's not in the passing game, it's definitely going to be in the pass protection game that, you know, Arians is devoted to his guys. He's loyal to his guys. And he will say, I trust you. I, I need you to do what I need you to do. And if it means that you're going to block the entire game, then that's what that means. And that's why I mean, that's why I think Rob Gronkowski isn't probably going to be the one hitting the high flying pass all the time. I think he could, it could go either way. It could go either way. Rob Gronkowski could have a huge game either in pass protection or it's going to be in the pass reception game. But I mean, that's, that's ultimately, it's going to rest a lot on his shoulders. My defensive player. Do you want to, do you want a Rob Gronkowski stat real quick? Go ahead. Okay. So the only time Rob Gronkowski broke 80 yards this season was against the chiefs. Right. Who have had their struggles against tight ends. He had six catches in 106 yards. He has not broken 30 yards since that game. So just a little interesting. Just a little, yeah. just a little nugget there for you. It's going to be fascinating yeah. to see how that looks. If it's if it's that side of it, or if it's you know what you've seen lately. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's in pass protection. But anyways, I looked up that stat the other day, and I just I thought well, I, no, that's a, that's great because you know what? the Bucks have had their own same struggles with with tight ends as well. So I guess both teams having struggles against tight ends. Maybe this could be a the ultimate tight end shootout <laughs> between Gronkowski and and what was formerly known as Little Gronk, right? Because right. remember when like, Kelsey came in, he was known as Little Gronk. So this is like a goat. <laughs> is this a goat baby goat conversation there too? This is a goat, yeah, goat baby goat, goat baby goat all over the place, man. Dude, amazing. My defensive player is going to be Sean Murphy Bunting. I'm going to stick with the Bucks on this one, but I'm going to give credit where credit is due. So I'm going to touch on a on a Chiefs player in just a minute. But Sean Murphy Bunting, I want to give credit here because of the fact that I have given him so much shit all season about his lack of performance. And when does he show up in the freaking postseason? Just as much shit as I've been giving Leonard Fournette, where does he show up in the postseason? Sean Murphy Bunting has had an interception every single game in the postseason. So he's working on his fourth one going into the Super Bowl. Let's see if he can get it. He's, uh, that's actually one of my bolts. It's going to be he's going to have to grab an interception uh showing that he can uh, obviously be effective he's playing with confidence arians quoted he said to sean murphy bunny he said to sean you at 85 percent healthy is better than most at 100 percent." so just to get out there and do your best then after he told him that apparently i don't know some miraculous you know uh i feel confident now he started making plays and he was just extremely confident but I'm going to go with your player as well there, Kent, and say Tyron Matthew. I mean, it's amazing. I saw him since he hit, you know, when he when he got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. And who had his hands on him the first time? Who was, who was the defensive coordinator? Mr. Todd Bowles. Mm-hmm. So Todd Bowles coached Tyron Matthew his rookie year in Arizona. And, and Todd Bowles was quoted saying he made him a better coach because he was so good coming in. He just wanted to make sure he didn't screw that up. He's such a smart player. He's a leader. And 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 obviously he just didn't want to mess that up. And and that's what was making him a better coach, ultimately propelling him into the head coach position at New York. Uh, but it, interesting enough, right? So there is that dynamic and that that uh that relationship, right, that Matthew has with Todd Bowles. So my offensive impact player, I'm gonna kind of split it because I'm gonna say Tom Brady, but 
that seems obvious, low-hanging fruit, but just based off the second half he had against Green Bay, that can't happen in this game. The first two interceptions were on him. Um, even though Mike Evans had a chance to catch that second ball, it was still a bad throw. The first interception was a bad decision. He had Tyler Johnson running wide open on a crosser against single high coverage at the bottom of a three-by-two formation. So don't know what he was trying to do with Mike Evans either way. Tom Brady cannot make those mistakes in this game because as good as this team has been overall in the playoffs, they're still inexperienced. Um, They still have their holes. And Tom Brady is here to make up for all that. So if he's making mistakes like that in this game, Tampa Bay has absolutely zero shot at winning. Uh, My impact player on offense 1A is going to be Aaron Stinney. He's played great. But Chris Jones is a completely different animal than Kenny Young, than David Onyemata, than Sheldon Rankins, even even though all three of those guys are very, very good players. Chris Jones is going to be lined up on Aaron Stinney a lot. And to me, that could go a long way in determining how Tampa Bay – figures out its protecting schemes and whatnot. On defense, it's got to be Vita Vea. I mean, we've talked about it. He is the ultimate disruptor on this defense. He allows Tampa Bay to not rely on static four-man fronts, which you figure, based off Bruce Arians' comments today, they're going to be deploying a lot of four-man rushes. But Vita Vea allows them to do those sim pressures. He allows them to to line up Indomica Sue at linebacker standing up and just run, you know, full speed into offensive linemen. Just what he allows Todd Bowles to do in terms of rushing the passer. We know he's a great run stuffer, but Tampa Bay's defense is still elite at stopping the run, even without Vita Vea. So that's more of a scheme thing than anything. But uh, per Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com, before Vita Vea went out, Tampa Bay averaged a 34% uh, pressure rate on opposing quarterbacks. Once he went out of the lineup, um, they averaged right around 26.9%, 27%. So obviously a pretty big drop off in terms of a pass rush, but it's just not the production. Like I said, it's what he allows Todd Bowles to do in terms of scheme and all that good stuff when it comes to Tampa Bay's pass rush. All right, Kent, let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. What's your bold prediction for this game and your final score prediction for this game? All right, bold prediction. I just talked about how I was going to make Frank Clark my guy. I'm going to go here. Frank Clark gets two sacks, and he puts himself fourth in the in his career. He'd be the fourth uh, highest sack total in the playoffs, tying Reggie White with 12. So I got two sacks for Frank Clark as the Chiefs beat the Bucks. I have to pick the Chiefs to beat the Bucks this time, guys. Yeah, yeah dude, for sure. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. 31-27, and I think it's I think it might be a late touchdown by the Bucks to get it to, you know, kind of more respectable. I think they're up by double digits similar to what happened the last time these two teams matched up. So we have a running thing where there's a little bit of a superstition going on here on the north and south, and and I'll say the broader uh, Bucks Nation podcast channel. There's a bit of superstition that goes on, and and apparently if I bet against the Bucks, uh, the Bucks will win. Uh, so I, I I'm struggling with this because <laughs> I actually think I have all this planned out, and the way that I am looking at it. Uh, Please do not kill me, Bucks Nation. And Evan, please do not kill me if the Bucks lose. Um, I, I think that let me start off with a bold prediction first. I as I posted posted on BucksNation.com, we've been doing a weekly run of bold predictions. I think it's gonna come from the bench bench. Big game from the bench. I think it's gonna it's gonna rest on Brait, Miller, Tyler Johnson, those guys coming off the bench, even Ronald Jones, right? He he's obviously been leapfrogged by playoff Lenny. 
Leonard Fournette, who's uh, held on to the starting job throughout the postseason. So Ronald Jones, now healthy, although second fiddle to Leonard Fournette. All those guys are going to play huge games. And and here's something for you guys. And it was funny because we were talking about uh, talking about this with Big Nasty. Johnson, Tyler Johnson, could be the sleeper MVP for Super Bowl 55. The Bucks win. One of the key sleeper MVP picks could very well be number 18, Tyler Johnson. Watch how this watch how this unfolds. Uh, one of the comments that Tom Brady continuously made throughout the season, I need to remember to get it to number 18. And that's Tyler Johnson, the rookie. Score prediction. Please, Bucks Nation, do not hate me. Buccaneers 41, Chiefs 38. Buccaneers take it home. Bring Woo! home, keep the Lombardi in Tampa Bay. It's going to be off of Ryan Suckup's foot. It's going to be the three point, you know, it's going to be three, uh, a three point score. It's going to be tied heading into the last five seconds of the game. And Ryan Suckup is going to kick it in because we're going to end up with the ball last. And it's it's going to be an exciting and electric game. But I'm, I'm predicting Buccaneers 41-38. 4138, man. That will be a fun game. Uh, <laughs> my my bold prediction is I'm gonna go with my gut on this, and it's gonna be a defensive game. I think it's gonna fall under the combined total points. I honestly think it's gonna be no more than 45 combined total points. Um, but my my bold, bold prediction. So, and this will obviously go in with my final score prediction. Y'all will get the full context of that here in just a second but there's going to be more combined turnovers than there will be combined touchdowns in this game. And that's because I have the chiefs winning by a final score of 23 to 20. I just don't see Tampa Bay putting up enough uh, firepower. This is a completely different offense than what we saw in week 12 in terms of the bucks. And they've learned to really, um, combat blitzes better. They've learned to figure out how to get the ball downfield when they're being pressured. They've made a lot of adjustments and everything has been great. However, I just think with seeing like can't you mentioned it earlier, Patrick Mahomes was absolutely locked in last week. No reason to think he, that's going to change this week. And you're giving Andy Reid two weeks to game plan with the best quarterback in the game right now. So Unfortunately, I've usually been the one. I, I had Tampa Bay winning the last seven games. That obviously worked out well. I just don't see them pulling it off in this one at all. Evan, um, you got Homer, brother. Come on. Hey, man. I mean, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I pitched him to lose back in the summer. Wait a minute. Like, when we uh, – I got I to stay consistent. I got to stay consistent. Evan, when we pick opposite, the opposite happens, man. That's not cool. That's not cool. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you totally thought that I was going to – I mean, dude, if we would have – Shit, I totally three, thought you were going Buccaneers. Damn it. If you, well, you obviously didn't read my bold prediction post on Bucks Nation. but anyways, Apparently not. If, uh, right. if, if, we, if we would have had this conversation a week ago, I would have been really high on Tampa Bay. I would have picked them to win. But after getting into the Chiefs tape over the last few days, man, it, it's going to be tough. That's all I got to say. But Kent – it hasn't been tough having you on this show. It's been a blast, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank um, you. Let, let everybody know where they can find you real quick before we log off. Yeah, you can find me at, uh, at Kent underscore Swanson. If you want to li- listen to the Arrowhead Pride uh, AP Laboratory po- uh, game preview, you can kind of get our perspective entirely from the Chiefs side. We're going to have a lot of nice things to say about your football team. I'm just telling you that right now. Always <laughs> a pleasure to be on with you guys. Anytime you want to talk, you know where to find me.
Y'all heard it there. Be sure to check all them out over at Arrowhead Pride. They do excellent, excellent work. Kent, again, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck this weekend and uh, stay safe out there. Yeah, we're enemies for the next 72 hours, right? So best of luck to y'all. We'll see you on the flip side. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. See you. Block 3 begins on Season 2, Episode 44 of the North and South Podcast, which means it is the Super Bowl edition of I Don't Give a Buck. Here we go! I don't give a fuck. 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 Jason, I don't give a buck about Kansas City's injuries on the offensive line. We talked a little bit with this about Ken Swanson, just a tiny bit. But the reason why I don't care is because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the ultimate equalizers when it comes to bad offensive play. Andy Reid has had two weeks to game plan for this Tampa Bay pass rush, even though it looks much better with Vita Vea in the lineup. However, all the Chiefs need from this offensive line is an average to a solid game because with Reem, with Reams, with Reed's scheming and Mahomes' legs and his ability to make plays out of structure and escape the pocket, dude, it doesn't matter who you put up front in these five positions. They're going to find a way to move the ball. They're going to find a way to score points. And at the end of the day, Kansas City's offensive line only gave up, I think, 24 sacks on the season, which is not a lot of sacks. It's one of the top 10 numbers in the league. So they've made it work all year long with this roulette game of whatever you want to call it on the offensive line. So, Jason, I don't give a buck about Kansas City's injuries on the offensive line. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's really interesting because you know I remember when you first mentioned the bend do not break type of mentality that the Bucks have to uh, that the Bucks may deploy against the Chiefs, and and I have to be concerned because Mahomes is like you said the ultimate cheat code. This dude can punch it down the field ten yards at a time and score it. Score every time, right? And that's all it takes is 10 yards at a time. First down after first down after first down. So it does concern me a little bit, uh, you know, as far as the Chiefs being able to still be very highly effective against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Evan, I don't give a buck about bandwagon fans following Tom Brady to the Super Bowl. I just don't. Just as Hall of Fame superfan Big Nasty says, why would someone be upset about a person cheering on their favorite football team? Listen, you're sitting in the same stadium. Let's just put us into a game. You're sitting there cheering on the Buccaneers. They may be wearing a Buccaneers jersey. Who cares if he's been a fan for one day, one week, or one year, or uh, 10 years? It doesn't matter. The problem is is that Buccaneers have dealt with so much shit throughout the years, and it's a sense of loyalty to the team. I get it. The same thing happened back in 2002. The bandwagon fans were not obviously having much, you know, they weren't giving much credit. Obviously, hey, listen, it's okay if someone wants to cheer on your team. It's okay. Whether it's one day, one week, or one year, it's fine. The water is warm. Come on and cheer on the Buccaneers. They're going to Super Bowl 55, facing off against the Chiefs. Tom Brady's 
what is it, 10th Super Bowl, 7th ring. It's This is history. This is history in the making. Evan, I don't give a buck about bandwagon fans following Tom Brady to the Super Bowl. I don't give a fuck. 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 I don't give a buck about it either, and I think one reason why the people who do have an issue with it is because those same people don't like a quote-unquote outsider like Brady coming in and elevating this team, as crazy as that sounds. But I think a lot of that sure. had to do. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Tampa Bay had a quote-unquote homegrown player at quarterback for the last five years in Jameis Winston. He was selected number one overall. He was supposed Fair. to to guide the franchise he was supposed to be the change plus all the florida state fanboys and girls he was their guy before he came here um now that latter part doesn't really have as much to do with the entire equation as you know the big picture however i think what people feel like whenever this team has had a, a core group of players together for a while and then this one guy just comes in and even if he is elevating them they just they feel like it's artificial. They feel like it's fake. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And yeah, Jason, I don't give a buck about it either. I don't give a buck, though, if Tampa Bay is zone heavy on defense this year. And that's because we talked about this with Kent a little bit again. Uh, Kansas City was bad in the red zone the last time these two teams played. And they were one for four in terms of scoring touchdowns inside of the 20. And that one touchdown was a 20-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. So if they were one more yard back on that play, they would have gone 0 for 3 in the red zone. 0 for 3 in the first half, only 6 points. 14 of 27 points came off the big plays to Tyreek. And the Bucks proved that Kansas City can be an undisciplined team if you make them have long drives down the field. Case in point, the back-to-back holding penalties in the fourth quarter that created like a second and 30 or whatever it was, like a second and 35, something like that, um, back in week 12. The, the the offensive line could not handle the pass rush. Ty, or Even Travis Kelsey got called for a holding penalty. So I feel like not only can the Bucks prevent Kansas City from scoring once they get into the red zone, but also I feel like this Kansas City team might have to rely on the big play too much because of the the lack of protection issues they're going to have out up front or just in general. And I know that kind of goes against what I just said earlier, but in the grand scheme of things, Jason, I don't give a buck if Tampa Bay is zone heavy on defense on Sunday. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. You know, interesting enough that you mentioned that the Chiefs are going to rely on the big play. I think it's going to come down to a lot of trick plays as well. And it's going to have to be something that's completely out of the box that the Bucks have not seen. Because I think the, the Bucks are going to be scheming against what the Chiefs are probably used to. And especially different than what they saw in Week 12. Was that 20-yard pass the... the the, the Tyreek Hill flip the middle finger, backflip into the end zone. Was that the one? No, that was the second touchdown pass. Oh, okay. The 20-yard the one was just the insane. Carlton Davis actually had good coverage on it. Mahomes just throws it in the air, and it's right over Carlton's left shoulder, and Tyreek just happens to get his hand. I mean, that touchdown pass, honestly – was more of a freakish play than any other play yeah. in that game. Um, but yeah, that was the one that put the that was one that put the Chiefs up 27-10 at one point. Well, Evan, I don't give a buck about Bucks. 
Well, Evan, I don't give a buck about the Bucks losing against the Chiefs in Week 12. And I've said this before, is that they're a much different team than the Week 12 team. I mean, they've gone seven in a row going all the way into the postseason. This is the, the longest streak in franchise history, but it was expected. This team... There was a couple of slow starts. There was the slow start against Minnesota. There was the slow start against Atlanta. But they picked it up and they fixed it. And that ultimately is how they propelled themselves into the uh, into the playoffs. Obviously, it was a it was a final stretch that they were expected to win. But coming out of that out of that game, I think the Bucks learned a significant amount. <clears throat> And I think they are going to come in with a much different mindset. And if you look at that game and you take away the first quarter completely, and I mentioned this against uh, when we talked about it, talked about it against when we talked about it with Kent Swanson, you take away the first quarter completely, the Bucks win by 14. You take it away completely, the Bucks win by 14. Let that sink in, Bucks Nation. The Bucks dominated the fourth quarter like they've been doing. Most of the season, actually, the the second half has been their half. The fourth quarter is obviously where Brady and the rest of the team are shining. This team is set to close games out, whereas last year we didn't know how to close games. We were actually forcing ourselves to lose the game. They weren't closing the game out in the fourth quarter, and instead they were winning through halftime and then losing in the second half. So it was completely flip-flop from what the Buccaneers obviously were producing last year. Week 12, the Buccaneers did not have Vita Vea. They did not have Jamel Dean. They did not have, uh, I don't believe they had Ali Marpet back, if I if I correct me, Evan. I don't believe Ali Marpet was back yet, so he, he was, was out. That, that, was the fir- that was the first game he returned, so he was back, but okay. you could argue that. You could argue he probably wasn't up to he his was still little, at that point. He wasn't 100%. Okay, so, so good call out. Thank you. I, I did have a question mark on that. I didn't look back at the stats there. Brady threw for 345 yards. Three touchdowns. Those are winning quarterback numbers. He does need to take better control of the ball. He knows that. Obviously, he does not want a repeat of what happened against um, against the, the the Packers when you know he threw for two touchdowns or two interceptions. And again, he doesn't want to have or three interceptions. But he also doesn't want to have the same game that he had against the Chiefs with two interceptions. He knows to take care of the ball a little bit more. He will do that. I don't give a buck about the Bucks losing against the Chiefs in Week 12. I think it's going to be a completely different game. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. I like it, man. Hopefully, at the end of the day, it's all moot, and hopefully they can overcome that loss and yeah. win the second Super Bowl in franchise history. So In Tampa Bay. And God, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy to think they're actually playing this game. Dude, it's in, in my hometown, bro. I'm 30 minutes away from the stadium right now, and it's just, it's electric. I can feel it. I can feel the Super Bowl, like, aura right now. It's pretty awesome, man. It's pretty awesome. You're totally not making me hate the decision to stay up here in Nashville. Even more, <laughs> so but you are my favorite Nashville Buccaneer, my friend. <laughs> well, that's I, I appreciate that. So, man, let's get into these over-unders. So, we decided to change things up a little bit since this is the Super Bowl preview episode. Uh, this is the not only the Super Bowl edition of over-unders, but Jason and I are going to both take turns trying to see who's worse at rattling off answers in under a minute. 
Wait, so, we already Jason, know the answer yeah. to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be worse. You know this. It, it, it's a small sample size, though, so we'll allow some room for uh, interpretation there, man. But you get to go first, so just let me know when you're ready, and we'll get this going. Marron, Pachacaremonde. Oh, jeez, all right. Um, let's go. All right, so we're going to start in three, two, one. Kansas City wins by three and a half points. Oh, under. Under. Two and a half pass touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, over. One and a half pass touchdowns for Tom Brady. Oh, over. 55 and a half combined points. I'm going to go over based on my prediction. Two and a half times Antoine Winfield Jr.'s dad is mentioned. Uh, under. Maybe once. One and a half shots of Giselle Bunchen. Oh, over. <laughs> Eight and a half first down runs by the Bucks. Runs? Yes, under. first down runs. Under. Two and a half times New England is mentioned. Over. One half times Tony Romo mentions his kids during the broadcast. Uh, I'll go under. I think he's going to remain conservative. <laughs> One and a half times Bill Belichick is mentioned. Over. Boom, 58 seconds, Damn, man. Bitch. You pass. Going going out like a champ. Woo! There you go. All that hard work and labor paid off. Man. <laughs> I you did the Rick Flair. You are now a, you're now a you're now a Super Bowl over under champion. Listen, How man, I learned from the best the the the, the, the uh, tutelage from a master such as yourself. Yes, sensei. <laughs> the only thing I taught you is not to think. So yeah, and that's easy for me to do because I don't think so. Well, I, I should just not think. I should literally just spout off over under over over over. Yeah, under, that's under, that's under, really under, all you do. Under. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, but you're looking, dude. The the way that you're throwing out these halves and one and a half and one and three quarters and one seven eighths freaking. Thing. Oh, hold, hold up now, hold up now. This ain't this ain't a ruler. This ain't a ruler or a measuring tape or anything <laughs> like that. I got I gotta say two and a half pass touchdowns because he could throw for two, and then if if we're not five and seven that. eighths inches to the goal yeah. line over well, under. Well, if you take if you take the Pythagorean theorem and you and you multiply it the by the square root of fifty four, and and then you equate the scoliosis effect in the world's rotation mark at the time, yeah, you know that that's that's how I get my over unders. Oh my god, man, are you ready? Bro, I'm always ready. Let's do this. Man, we're going to kill it. This one's going to be fun, y'all. Get ready, Bucks Nation. Here we go. All right, three, two, one. Brady, 350 yards passing. Under. Rofo, Ronald Jones, and Fournette, 150 combined rushing yards. Under. Mike Evans, 100 yards receiving. Under. Gronkowski, five receptions. Under. Bucks defense, three sacks. Over. Bucks secondary, one and a half interceptions. Under. Halftime show, 14 and a half minutes. Over. National anthem, one minute, 55 seconds. Over. This podcast, one hour, 15 minutes. Oh my God, so over. <laughs> Three and a half times we hear the word dynasty throughout the Super Bowl coverage. Over. Nice. Dude, you killed me. Fucking 45 seconds, man. What was the time? 45 seconds. Woo, that might be a new record. And actually, I said go. And so before I even lit up the first question, I hit go. So actually, it was way more than I thought it was. I thought you were going to shit. It may have been less. That's what I'm saying. It could have been under 40 seconds. Well done. Hey, 
I'm always here to impress. What can I say? Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> so, hey, we got one more weekend to make people rich. Let's talk about these spreads. Obviously, it's only one game. So, we'll just kind of go down the line here. We'll talk before about we a couple- do, Before we do, I want to talk about the ultimate bet that everyone has been seeing in the headlines right now. The $3.46 million hedge bet on the Buccaneers. Can we talk about that really quick? Just because this is a perfect sample. Like, holy crap. And that altered Vegas's numbers. Yeah, it definitely did. The only thing that scares me is that dude, that same dude put like, I think two or three million on the Astros to win it or something like that a few years ago. And the Astros lost. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This if, mofo. Uh, it, it, this mofo makes uh, the Bucks lose. I'm going to kick his ass. His name's Mattress Mac, everybody. Uh, Jim Hunt McEnvalli. him down if the Bucks lose. It's his re- <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so – but either way, though, I mean, that's the whole point of sports betting is to do that. I mean, you're not going to win big unless you bet big. So, hey, man, kudos to him. Just the fact that he actually has that much money to put on a game. <laughs> I'm over here spending like two, $300 on one bet, and I think that's big baller status. I haven't made any bets, man. I'm, like, betting 20 bucks to – my wife it's like no (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i should bet this five dollars or not i could really (laughs) listen i got a friend of mine that does a super bowl bet with his wife every year and i'm not going to say it because it is literally a a bet between a husband and wife so i am not going to say what the bet is usually for uh however let me just say there is no money it is it is a very uh personal uh type of bet and <laughs> and it's great because they always pick one prop bet to bet on. And, uh, you know, whoever wins has to uh, obviously perform other acts. So I will just say that. So, so you come on, man. You laugh it up. <laughs> no, hey, all I got to say, I'm getting severe sh- uh, shades of uh, Stank Bastard up here, except for Stank Bastard is much, much more um, open with what his. Yeah, I'm not going to be that open. I'm not going to be that open. I don't blame you 100. I don't blame you at all. But we all know Stank has no, uh, he has no sense of shame. So it's not. No filter. Him. It's all good, man. Let's talk about these spreads, man. Let's talk about it. So I like I I was able to jump off jump on not jump off I was able to jump on Tampa Bay when they're still three and a half so it, I feel like if you can get them at three and a half or higher so four three and a half four more um, I feel like you should take Tampa Bay because even though I think Kansas City is going to win this game I think it's going to be a close game at the end of the day so yeah if you want to bet that extra half point you know obviously you're going to lose fifteen or twenty bucks on your return whatever it is if you're betting a normal wage now if you're betting three million dollars I don't know how much you're actually gonna lose in your earnings if you go up that extra half point probably a couple hundred thou if i had to guess right off the top of my head but if you can get tampa bay at three and a half points or more so four or three and a half four or higher take that all day yeah but it's minus 117 now they're both minus so it's minus 104 and minus 117 so if if i understand this correctly you got to put a hundred to to for a hundred, you have to put in at yeah, a minus one seventeen, hundred and three, hundred and three for a hundred, yeah, and one hundred and seventeen for a hundred. Exactly. So I guess that's what I mean is is maybe it's not as rewarding from a spread perspective at three, and it is still three and a half on DraftKings. By by the way, I'm looking at the live feed right now. Um, the over under on the game is fifty six. 
I know you put it under 56 because you think this is going to be a defensive game. I think it's going to be more offensive. I think offense is going to play key. I think it's going to keep it out of the 50 realm. I don't think it's going to keep it out of the 30 and 40 realm, though. Uh, so 56, definitely a reasonable over under. I I got to stick with the, the prediction and go with the Buccaneers uh, with the over on 56. And it's it's 109, right? So it's it's you're paying 109 to make 100, which is better than 112. So, you know, you're making you know, a few extra or, free, or fewer dollars. If I understand betting correctly, I'm learning all this, people. I'm learning, but I'm definitely saying the Buccaneers on the over for 56. I like I liked the over a week ago, and I actually bet the over when everything first came out. It was, I don't usually bet early. I wait until all the injury reports have come out and all that stuff. But in the case of these two teams in this game, the injury reports were already kind of self-made whenever the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game ended. I mean, we knew Vita Vea was coming back. We knew Jamel Dean was going to be back. Antoine Winfield had a really good – chance at returning obviously Jordan Whitehead was the biggest question so I didn't really see too much fluctuation in terms of injuries which could affect this game um so I really really like the over but now I'm liking the under man and obviously I Mm -hmm. said earlier I think this is going to be a defensive game but obviously wait and see on that so Jason let's pick one prop bet um just any prop bet that you can find on on DraftKings (laughs) I'm using bet I'm using betonline.ag man this just seems like easy money to me. Now, granted, a lot of things can happen, but first quarter field goals by Kansas City over under 0.5. Kansas City scored a field goal on the – or and this is first quarter field goals. Um, Kansas City scored a field goal on the first drive of the game against the Bucks. To me, they're going to get at least one field goal in that first quarter. They're going to hit a big play at some point. So under or over one-half – field goals plus 230 which means you put down 100 um you win 130 so all day long dude i'm taking that so the one the one prop bet that i think is the funnest is usually around the national anthem i've got another and one actually, that hold on. Hey, real, real quick if you put down 100 you win 230 so that's my fault on that okay gotcha all right uh, I, I don't know what the money line is for the national anthem. I'm not going off of any specific site. I'm, I was going hold off. On, of I can tell you real quick. Can hold you? on one second. So hold on. Jasmine Sullivan show cleavage during anthem. That's one of the prop bets. <laughs> oh, uh, so let me take that back. There is no um, length. All it is, is any player kneel on sideline during anthem, any player raise fist on sideline during anthem, which I would take that all day. Um, any scoring drive less than anthem length. That's actually pretty cool. A uh, coach to be shown first during anthem. I would take Andy Reid all day on that. Forget, omit a word, U.S. national right. anthem. Jasmine Sullivan showing cleavage. <laughs> it just blows my so mind. So this is a duet for national anthem. It's Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. So both of them, usually duets are not short. Usually there's a delay or there's some type of harmonizing. I mean, uh, the average is one minute. 55 seconds. We did that in our over-unders, and that's why I picked one minute, 55 seconds. I'm betting the over. I'm betting the over on this because it's a duet, and because they're Grammy-nominated, there's going to be some, ah, there's going to be some crazy fluctuations in there. You've got a Grammy-nominated 
uh, country artist along with what is Jasmine Sullivan? What is she? R and B or something? I have no idea. I thought she I was a porn her. star just based off her Sean Cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, I'm gonna bet on the over. I'll throw a hundred on that. Whatever the whatever the over under is on it, I'll throw a hundred at it, and whatever I get in return, bring bring it. But I'm definitely gonna say over on the one minute forty fifty five seconds on average. That's usually a safe bet. They always say take the over. So take the over man, on the national anthem. I'm seriously looking at this any player raise fist on sideline during that or during anthem, and it's plus six hundred for yes. And I know people Wait, automatic. Yeah, it's plus six hundred for yes. So you put down hundred. Oh bucks, shit! I'm so nailing 600. that. Oh, yeah, I'm nailing that because I mean, it's. It, I know a lot of people are going to look at that with a political mindset. You know, oh, he's raising his fist. You know, it's it's the opposite of kneeling. You know, blah blah blah. But really, man, a lot of guys just do that just because they're so jacked up emotionally and they're ready to do this game. Like, I mean, I've done it before. You know, just just raising your fist makes you feel good. So oh, that's my bet. That to that's me, that to me seems like such an easy bet, man. You're gonna be my broker, man. I need to. I need to throw a prop bet. I got another broker. If I need to, so <laughs> you, mean, you, mean, you, mean, you mean bookie? Bookie is what we call bookie. Him. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. You yeah. can't say that on Fox Nation <laughs> podcast, Evan. Evan, give me one more prop bet, man. Give, give me another fun one. I'm the but the, the Bucks fans need to hear it, man. What's another prop bet? All right, hold on. Let me kind of look through here real quick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And let's see. First offensive play by Tampa Bay. I would take a rush all day long on that. <laughs> oh, pass. Oh, hand, really? hands down, like it's going it. to be a pass. Just given the way. Come on, man. We've seen it all season long. It's going to be pass over run. Here lately, though, man, they've been doing, they've been opening the games with a first down run the last three games, I think. I don't know, man. It's, oh, it's going to be sm- wising up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. You, you never know. Vegas is always trying to play those mind games. Um, and then here we go. Either team scores four unanswered times. That is uh, only a yes of plus 240, which seems like it should be a lot higher than that. Mm-hmm. So that kind of worries me a little bit there. So my next one is going to be, what color Gatorade gets spilled I on the that. winning I saw that. coach? <laughs> I think David Harrison actually wrote about that on Bucks Nation. But I'm, I'm, I've, I've got the, I've got the odds. For those of you that do not know, let me run through this really quick. Orange is at plus one hundred and sixty. They're at the bottom. That is the, that's easy money right there, right? So one hundred and sixty. That's probably almost guaranteed, right? The right. high end is purple, which I don't think we've ever seen spilled on a coach. Uh, at the end of a Super Bowl, which is plus thirteen hundred, Evan. Woo! Thirteen hundred for purple Gatorade. Um, I actually feel confident in this bet. I would go with blue. Blue is at plus eight hundred. I would confidently go into that. It's in you know blue. some. Go you ahead. know some intern you you know some intern at Gatorade is just sitting here looking at this prop and is like oh okay, I'm yeah gonna, they're I'm gonna make to I'm gonna make sure color. purple gets thrown <laughs> and I'm betting I'm putting two thousand dollars on on purple you mfers <laughs> change the color before the end of the game I'm gonna be pissed I mean someone's gonna be watching that cooler uh like with a hawk's eye but honestly man blue that's not that hard of a bet eight hundred so this is my reasoning for it this is my reasoning for it. We're in South Florida. Well, we're in Central Florida. Excuse me. We're in West Central Florida. 
it is going to be a rainy day. I want everybody to realize it's going to be a rainy day. It's been cold here for the past several days. It's been in the 30s at night, okay? It's not warm right now. So no matter where you are, 30s is cold. So in the 30s here in Florida, I don't know. My reasoning is it's still Florida, and I feel like there's this color thing. And it's almost like my so in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, the color was orange, right? But I feel I, like dude, I will be I'll be 100 percent honest with you. I have never paid attention to the color Gatorade. Thing. I it's think it was somebody. I think it was orange being poured on uh, Andy Reid last year. But I'm gonna say blue. You know why? Because Florida Gators, baby, orange and blue. I'm just saying. Ugh. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, listen. I, you're, talk, you're talking to a Vols, the Vols fan, fan. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. to a Vols fan here. You realize that, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what listen, I'm thinking. We're what good. I'm thinking, we're good. What I'm thinking in this context is you pick the team colors. So whoever you think is going to win, you pick that color. So if you think Tampa Bay is going to win, well, we'll then it's the got to be red. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you think the Chiefs are going to win, you either take orange or yellow. If you are right and orange was last year, I would just also because it's plus 110 for orange, plus 450 for yellow, I would take the opposite this year. I would take yellow just because they did orange last year, but that's just how my mind works. Uh, I am looking at a confirmed picture. It was orange. So it was orange. Yellow, yellow, yellow. On Andy Reid, so I think it'll be yellow or blue. I'm I don't know when the last time um, it, blue Gatorade was used. Um, I, maybe that's an interesting search that I should do here, and I'm going to do this live. So I'm going to do blue Let's... Gatorade in Super Bowl was ah when was the last one for blue? And it's not showing. All it's doing is just showing me the last or the uh, over under for uh, or excuse me the the money line for blue. That's all it's showing me. It's not telling me when the last time was. Damn Probably it! Because it's never been done before. It's, <laughs> shit, really? The long-standing Actually, one, the tradition, the Gatorade tradition is a long-standing color, and a chance to waver in the color orange is the most popular cover color. Over the past decade, it's been the color of choice five times, including back-to-back years in 2010 and 2011. So orange seems to be the favorite, although apparently it does change. It does. Change. Here's the here's the full list of Gatorade, and this is per DraftKings Nation. Here's oh, a full, you're looking. Here's a full list of the Gatorade yeah. results and winner for Super Bowl dating back to 2001. 2001 Ravens yellow, 2002 Patriots none, of course, because the fucking Patriots. 2003 Buccaneers. <laughs> Ooh, you dropped purple. an F bomb for the second time. <laughs> oh. 2004 Patriots none. God, they're so lame. 2005 Patriots clear. Oh, so we're gonna go from none to clear, man. We're we're so much better. Uh, 2006 <laughs> Steelers clear. 2007 Colts clear. 2008 Giants clear. 2009 Steelers yellow. 2010 Saints orange. 2000. 11 Packers orange 2012 right, Giants, Giants purple 23 2013 Ravens none so they're just like the Patriots oh there was a purple holy crap 20, 2012. Yeah, 2012 and the Buccaneers in 2003 used purple wow uh, 2014 Seahawks orange 2015 <gasps> Patriots blue 2016 Broncos orange 2017 Patriots none my god wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute Evan Evan wait a minute hold on hold on there is listen sports is riddled with superstition Riddled with superstition, right? 2003 Buccaneers purple. That's my bet. 
They're gonna do put it, yeah. purposely. They're gonna put Buccaneer. They're gonna put purple on the Buccaneer sideline, and they're gonna say this one for the bath. That's what they're gonna say. Man, it's riddled with superstition, man. I'm telling you, they got to have purple Gatorade on that sideline because that was the last time they won. I did not know that. My bet, purple, 13, what is it, 1,800 that I just said? It's plus 900, yes. If you put down $100, you're winning a 900. Wow. Put me down. Put me down. Purple. That's it. That's my superstition. I'm, I'm, I'm such a superstition person, just like you are. And I'm telling you, man. They are going to have a purple bath on the sideline just for that moment because that was the last time they won uh, the Super Bowl. They got it. Well, as your broker, I will definitely keep note of that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we literally just spent just about as much time breaking down the Gatorade. Code that was great. As breaking down this entire game. Bucks with Ken, fans, so. you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome for the two that are still listening at this point. <laughs> It's all good. All right, man. Well, this actually feels like a perfect point to kind of wrap things up. And, man, it's been fun. It really has. And, of course, we'll be back to do the instant reactions to Super Bowl 55 uh, Sunday night after everything wraps up. Hopefully we are here to talk about a Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. But until Sunday, everybody, please enjoy these next few days as much as possible. I know we all want to get to the game on Sunday, but at the same time, you never know when you're going to be back in this position. So continue to enjoy each day to the fullest. Be kind, be nice, love one another, embrace your fellow Bucks brethren, even embrace your fellow Chiefs brethren. Uh, because, like I said, this is just well, a don't take it time. too far, Evan. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what, what did Les Miles say at one point in time? Uh, give the person next to yeah. you a hug and give him a big old kiss on the mouth as long as it's not a guy. <laughs> uh, Les, we miss you, Les. But anyway. God, man, just going to be so much fun. I hope everybody, even be safe, even if Tampa Bay, even if, yeah, and even if Tampa Bay loses, enjoy Sunday. It's going to be a blast no matter what. Should be a, a good, good game. Jason, man, thank you so much for helping me out on the podcast. Obviously, we're not great. done yet. Still got a little bit longer to go, but in terms of the 2020 season, this is going to be our last preview. Um, and man, just thank you so much for everything you brought to the show over the past couple months. But everyone, have a good time. I know I've said that like five times by now, but enjoy these next few days. <laughs> and until Sunday, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and go, go Bucks! Yeah, well, this mad world made me crazy. Might just turn around to 180. I ain't politic and I ain't kissing no baby. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't gotta let him in. Don't trip. Hey, yeah. I let it go, but I never go with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, cool as fall weather. Fuck the bullshit, I'm here to make it all better with a little music for you. I don't do enough for you without you. It's the color blue. Oh, don't trip. I was in the city, they was talking that shit. Had the homies with me, all of a sudden they split. We ain't even worried, we just laughing, that's rich. You know how it goes, it ain't broke, don't fix.